I want to share something with you. You can follow it along on the screen and, uh, and see what God may say to you. It says, nothing on earth has a greater potential to change lives and carry out His kingdom work in your community than the local church. There's nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. There's no other organization on earth that is like the church. Nothing else even comes close. And I scream a huge amen without screaming it right now. It's so true. And I was thinking this week, the thought that God would choose to use, to use you and use me and use this church and use Christ followers all around the world to carry this incredible gospel message to the world. It's humbling. It's fulfilling when you actually do it. It's one of the most beautiful things. It's our highest call. It's what we're called to do. Matthew 16, verse 13 through 20, Jesus and Peter and the disciples are having a little interaction. And uh, it's a powerful moment in, in Scripture. And Jesus came to the region of, of Caesarea of Philippi. He asked his disciples, and it's pretty much a setup question, uh, what do people say uh, the Son of Man is? And they started getting together. Well, here's what we're hearing, you know, Jesus. They replied, some are saying John the Baptist, others are saying Elijah, uh, still others are saying Jeremiah, maybe one of the prophets. These are the things we're hearing out there. And then he, uh, he, he, he goes a little bit deeper. And he personalizes it. And he says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? In verse 16, Simon Peter answered. He said, you are the Messiah. The Son of the living God. And Jesus declares something in this moment, in this next verse, that that is literally going to be the birth of what we are a part of and what we experience. It's a powerful moment because of Peter's courageous, bold faith. He says, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus says, I'm about to do something that's so powerful, so unstoppable, so incredible, called the local church, that the gates of hell won't even be able to stop it. Oh, there's a lot of evil out there, Peter, and all the disciples. There's a lot of evil today as we look around. But nothing will stop the unstoppable church, the unstoppable gospel message penetrating this entire, this entire world. If this is true, when I was reading it this week, I mean, what in the world does it, that, that kind of church look like? What would it be like to experience a church that's, that's, that's going on? What would it be like to, to experience a church that's made of this? I read a book about 10 years ago, it might even be older than that, I don't know, by Mark Middleberg. Uh, it was called the Becoming a Contagious Church, Increasing Your Church's Evangelistic Temperature. And these questions are in my desk drawer up in my office because I want them to be front and center. And if it's true that Jesus Christ is going to build His church and the gates of Hades cannot stop it, uh, then, then if this is true, what about this? Uh, why are the vast majority of churches not growing or stagnant? I would even say declining. Why are so many churches losing ground, not even reaching people at the rate the population around them is growing? We're growing. They're, they're pounding a hammer every day right across the way building houses and we're, people are coming in all left and right. Uh, why are so many churches actually shutting down and closing 
their doors. In 2018, they estimated between seven to 8,000 churches got the key out, locked the door, and closed because they were no longer viable in that location. Uh, why are so many Christians content uh, when their church merely is holding its own and maintaining its church membership and just keeping the budget numbers good? Could this be, Mark Middleberg asked, what Jesus had in mind when He gave the Great Commission and when Acts 1-8 was revealed to this group of people? Uh, I don't think so. Mark Middleberg goes on and he says this. And I love this. He says, by its very nature and purpose... The church ought to be a contagious place, contagious, that's spreading the Christian faith to more and more outsiders. Anson just talked about it. That's, that's the heartbeat of our Savior, to leave the 99 and seek after the one. And then he says this, and this is the best part of the whole thing. He said, in fact, there ought to be an epidemic of people putting their trust in Christ. And I say that is about as true as it can be. There should be an epidemic of it. People should be looking at the church and say, there's something going on there that I can't quite put my hand on, but the Spirit of God is working in such a way. There's an epidemic of lives being changed and people going into ministry, finding their ministry role, serving. There should be excitement all around that, what Mark Middlebrook says. Well, Acts 1, verse 4 through 8, listen to this. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave uh, this, them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised and man was it a gift which you have heard me speak about for John was baptized with water but in a few days you're going to be baptized with the gift the Holy Spirit and then they gathered around him and asked him they still didn't understand Lord are, are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel Jesus says back it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set uh, by his own authority but then he says this the verse that so many know he says, but you will receive, and what does he say you will receive? Let's say it out loud. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right here at home, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts. That the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. It's a gift from God, and you're going to go change the world by the power of this Holy Spirit. I think it's time. The time's now for the local church to be marked by this power. For the local church to be marked by this power, living out of what we're called to live out and truly be witnesses of what we're called to do. Uh, we shared this last fall, our purpose for existing, of why in the world do we exist? What is the point of Centerville Community Church? And, and here it is. We believe Jesus is the Savior of the world and the local church is God's plan to point people to Him. He's chosen you and I to point people to Him, to partner with Him in that. Because of this, Centerville Community Church exists so that everyone will experience new life in Christ. This is why we serve. This is why people give hours of their, of their time every week to this place to serve, or monthly. It's why we give. It's why we sacrificially give. It's why we do what we do. It's why we love this community. It's why we're doing our best to love those not only in our, in our area, but literally around the world because we want to see everyone, everyone, come to new life in Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. The church isn't about one person. The church isn't about a certain age group or a, a, a certain you know, specific type of group. The church isn't about style. 
church has never been about style. The church isn't about your programs and all the laundry list of things you do. The church is about Jesus Christ alone. And that's it. He's the reason we exist. He's the reason we're here. He's the reason we're carrying out ministry. And Anson mentioned that just a little bit ago in his prayer. As we look around the world today, we just think, man, what a mess, right? I mean, you pop on the news and it seems like country against country. Daily. It seems like there's just political infighting you just get sick of hearing about. There's divisiveness. There's shootings. There's church bombings. There's, there's just evil everywhere. There's people just strapped emotionally carrying so much stuff with them. They are stressed to the max. There is brokenness everywhere you turn. And here's the thing about our Father in Heaven. He's not surprised by any of it. Like, it didn't wake up one day and it's like, whoa, I mean, look at the world. It didn't catch him off guard. He knows our world's messed up. He knows it's broken. He knows it's hurting. He knows people are seeking hope in every single other area besides in Jesus Christ alone that's leading to more desperation. And so he says, that's why I've chosen you. That's why I've chosen Centerville Community Church. That's why I've chosen the Alliance Movement. That's why I've chosen the church around the world. To be light in the darkness. That's what he's called us to do. To be his witness. Where in your house does a flashlight shine the brightest? In the darkest rooms, doesn't it? In the darkest rooms, when you shine that flashlight, it illuminates the room. And spiritually speaking, that's who you and I are. It says in the Bible, we're his ambassadors. He's making, this is so scary by the way, he's making his appeal to the world through you and me, which is like, whoa, I don't know if you should do that, right? But he chooses to do that. Because we are called to be light in the darkness to the world. And he calls us to live bold, steadfast, anchored lives in him alone so that we can carry this incredible message out. I want us to get this today, that God put Centerville Community Church here, God put you here, 2019, God put me here, 2019, to influence this community for Jesus. You all have job titles, I understand. You all went to school for something. But if you're a Christ follower, the very first thing you're marked by is you're an ambassador for Jesus. You're the pastor at your office. You're the pastor at your school. You're the pastor at the grocery store. You are his ambassador every single place you go. What an incredible, incredible thing to think he would choose me to influence this community and world for Jesus. And none of us can do it on our own. Not a one of us. We need each other and we need the power that he offers. We're going to look at Acts 1.8. I already mentioned it. Uh, but Acts is truly the church being birthed. By the power of the Holy Spirit, just incredible things are going on uh, if you read through it. And they are literally living out, if you were to read chapter by chapter, living out this call of going from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And by the end, they're working towards the uttermost uh, parts. But one of the things that, that was going on when this was written uh, that is obviously true today is it is much easier for us uh, to get around the world quickly, physically get there, or get around the world technologically. And Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem at home where you're at now, and in Judea and Samaria, that's a tough spot, you don't quite agree with them all the time, and to the ends of the earth. We are interconnected, their world, you can pop that uh, map up on the screen if you will, 
Their world then, the uttermost parts, I can only imagine what they thought when they said, you're going to go to the uttermost parts of the world. That's like just over the pond a little bit, right? Our world is big. Our world is grand. But as Luke is teaching this group, what he wants them to understand is the gospel message just isn't for home. The gospel message just isn't for Judea or Samaria or the uttermost parts. But the gospel message, the whole point, is for the whole map. I want you to have a heart, early church, for the whole map. I want you to have a heart for everyone in the world. Why? Because the gospel message has no geographical limits. It has no boundaries. There's nothing that can stop it. It can penetrate, it can go, it can facilitate wherever it wants at any time, any moment, any second. Our God can change a life. As I was studying this, this this week, it seems like, man, we as the church need to do a whole lot less of come on in here and see, right, what we got going on, and a whole lot more of going. That's what we're called to do. So in Acts 1.8, they get marching orders. And for us to think about that Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria was in concentric circles out of where they were called today, and he said, start in your hometown. Start being an influencer in your hometown for Jesus in Jerusalem. Take it out to Dayton, Montgomery County, Take it out to the state of Ohio in this country and literally around the world because the gospel is for everyone and the whole point of Acts 1-8 is I want you to transform every single community that you come in contact with. Anywhere there's a group of people, I want to see transformation take place. So I just want to, I want to pull out just a few things from Acts 1-8 uh, for us to wrestle with and understand um, today. Uh, it's truly... It's, 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 Jesus, it's, it's our Savior's saving plan for the world. And it's what He's called them to do. And, and the first thing you see in Acts 1-8 is, is we're called to be Christ's witnesses. And for those of us that are Christians, even if you've been a Christian for a long time, this can make us very anxious. Because you're asking me to like go out, stare at somebody, maybe flip open a track, I don't know what you want me to do, and share Jesus with somebody. That is painful, right? And it's weird, and I don't know if I can do it. Or maybe you're asking me to go buy a new Huffy or a Schwinn or whatever bike you like and ride around my neighborhood and pound on doors and talk about Jesus to everybody. We have complicated, we have blown out of the water what it actually means to be a witness. And it's why many of us don't do it. Because we fear, we fear rejection. Uh, We fear we'll just screw it up, say all the wrong words. Uh, We fear, I don't quite have all the theology down, I'm not even sure which verse to point to, what comes next in the story, right? And we've complicated this whole idea of witnessing for it to be this archaic, you know, thing back then that they did. Here's what a witness, here's what a witness is. A witness is someone who has seen, heard, or knows something. And then they give witness to it. A witness is somebody that's seen, they heard, or they know something. And they give witness to it. How many of you are a little sick and watch Dateline 48 hours once in a while? Anybody else besides Nat and I? Yeah. Um, Every show, there's a witness, isn't there? Somebody giving witness to what they saw, to what they heard, to what they know, and then then they share it. We give witness to things all the time, don't we? Every day you're telling people about what you know, even if you don't know much. Every day you're telling people about what you've heard or, or what you've seen. You're, we're constantly bearing witness to so many things. And it's what it means with the gospel message to bear witness. To bear witness of what we know. To bear witness about what we heard, right? 
to bear witness about what we've seen in somebody else. And we're to go out and we're to, we're to share this with others. To share what it means uh, for Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And how it just radically changed your life. How it changed who you were. I love the story in John 9, uh, the story about the blind man. Anybody know that story about the blind man? He was born blind. Um, and uh, Jesus comes along. I'm paraphrasing this really quickly. Jesus comes along and heals the man. And uh, the people around get ticked. You know, they're like, what, what's going on? How did this happen? So they call him in and they begin to pepper him with questions. And, and they're frustrated at Jesus. And they're saying, how did this happen? By what means did this happen? What, what's going on with you that this would take place? And the guy's like, well, I don't know the answer to many of your questions. I don't know the answer to really any of your questions. But there's one thing I do know. And what did he say? He said, I once was blind, but now I see. And there's a guy named Jesus that, that changed that. And I'm bearing witness. And that's what it means, church, to bear witness in our lives. Some of you have some incredible testimonies. Testimonies we all do of where God, you were over here dabbling in the flesh and sin and junk, and God transformed you. God transformed the way you think, the way you act, the way you treat people, your behavior. He transformed you from the inside out. And one of the primary ways that He wants to, to change the world is His story through your story. There's nobody's story in here that's weak or, or, or not good or not colorful enough to be shared. And the question I want to ask you today is, are you sharing God's story through you to other people? Are you sharing how God has been faithful to you through all these years? Are you sharing how God has been faithful through a medical thing or a, a relational thing and, and, or where you were, just, you were bankrupt in sin and God extended you grace and you share that with people? Stories are transformational. Stories are transformational. And the way we get a story out is we bear witness to something. Something we know, something we've heard, or something we've seen. And the apostles were just, they were, they were struggling with this. They didn't quite, they had a lot of misunderstandings. We see in verse 6, it says, Then they gathered around him and asked, uh, That's fine, bring all the power you want, but Lord, are you going to, uh, at this time, going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I mean, what's your plan here? Are you going to restore some, I, I, I'm ready for some power, for some control, for some authority. Let's set up this geographic earthly kingdom over here. Let's make it happen. We can all be rock stars with you. And Jesus says, that's not how my kingdom works. The way my kingdom is going to be built, the way my kingdom is going to be spread, is through simple people. Not authority, not power, not any of that. But it's going to be through simple people with a simple but very profound story about Jesus Christ. And when somebody's life is changed, I trust them enough that they are going to go out and they're going to tell everybody about what they saw and what they heard and what they know, and they're going to say Jesus is the man that did it. And they're going to point to that. You know, so many in this room today, your life has been changed because of a coach, a teacher, a grandparent, a, a Sunday school teacher, you name it. Because uh, you saw something and you saw Jesus in them. Uh, so many of you, your life has been changed because that person was literally willing to open up and you heard about Jesus because they spoke to you week after week, month after month, year after year. Uh, some of you, your lives have been changed because you, you've witnessed miracles. You've witnessed the work of God in somebody else's life. And your life is forever changed. I wouldn't be here today 
if it wasn't for some of the people at Decatur Church of God that invested in the kids' ministry and then the youth ministry and then, and then the high school ministry, and, and the list goes on. And they were willing to, to, I could see Jesus in them. They were willing to tell me about Jesus, and, and I was willing to, 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 to respond to that incredible gospel message that they shared. This is what it means, church, to be a witness. The second thing we see is, is that God supplies the power. Uh, thank goodness, because I'm sure they, they heard this plan, and they're like, this is a little bit bigger than what we're able to do, you know? To carry the gospel to the world? I mean, come on. What else you got? Because we need a few more steps than just, I'm going to get some power. And he gave them the only thing that they needed. And it was something incredible. It was an incredible gift. And he said, I want to, I want to bestow upon you something. So he gives the master plan. And he gets ready to ascend into heaven. And he says, you're going to receive power. Our Savior, he supplies the power. Thank goodness. We're not doing it on our own. When you're speaking to the person at the grocery store or at work or wherever you may be, the Savior is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. His power is residing inside of you. What does it say the power is for? It says when you receive the, Holy, uh, the uh, power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness. So what's the power for? The power is for witness. So many throughout church history have used the power for control. They've used the power. They thought it was simply for healings only. Uh, they thought it was for them to get a step up on other people. For them to kind of be one little notch closer to God than they were. But the power is from God and for God only for us to go out and to bear witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so important to remember this. It's all about Him. Church, left to our own, left to our own power, left to our own strength or cognitive abilities, we are, we're sunk. We need His power. It's God's power that's enabled uh, everything that's happened at this church for the last 41 plus years. It's God's power that's been transforming lives in this community for much even longer than that. It is only by the power of God, and we need it. If we think we're going to go make a difference in this community around the world without His power, uh, we're in a tough spot. The third thing we see is this, is God's uh, saving plan starts at home, and then it goes global. So picture maybe Jesus bringing the guys together in a football huddle, and he's talking to them, and he's saying, hey, i got a plan. Here's what's, here's, here's what's going to happen. Uh, you're going to receive power, and you're going to use it to go out and to bear witness to my name. And then he, and then he pulls out a map, if you will. And I was going to stop at Speedway and get a map on the way uh, here today, but Knox wouldn't quit talking on the way to church, so I forgot. So just pretend I'm holding one, all right? And he holds up a map, and he says, here's how it's going to happen. You're going to start right at home first, and I want you to transform that community in Jerusalem. I want you to spread out, and as you share, disciples are going to make more and more disciples, and it's going to go to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts, and it's going to spread like wildfire. Why? Because he told Peter's church is unstoppable and I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not stop it. So go out. Change the world. And the thing we need to grasp about this incredible passage in Acts 1-8 is the map for God's saving plan. It encompasses the whole, the whole world. And let me just speak, spiritually speaking, for a second. Some of us, we would never say that we do this, but we hold up a map and we've got kind of just our hometown cut out. 
And that's the piece we hold and we put the rest of the map down. The only thing we're focused on in this life is what's going on in my little world and my little community. And that's great. We should be about changing our community and where we're at and where we're, where we're doing life. But God says the message is for the whole world. There's a whole other side of the paradigm where we cut out a section in the world. That's all we talk about. That's all we're about. We don't live there. We don't, we don't live there or do life there. But we don't, that's all we talk about. And we don't do anything in our, in our home in Jerusalem. We don't do anything to change the community that we live in currently. And the message that we hear today is that the gospel is for the whole map. It's not just for home. Oh, we're told to start at home, transform home, change home. But the gospel message is for the whole, for the whole world. And one of the things we're going to see, not just this week, but the coming weeks, is, is that this early church got it. They were faithful when it came to, 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 to changing their community in Jerusalem. And if you read through towards the end of Acts, by the end, they, they're faithful in literally taking it to the uttermost parts of the world. And you know what my prayer is? Is that we would follow their example. That we would follow their example and that we would be global Christians in the way that we pray. Uh, that we would be global Christians in the way that we give. Let me brag on you all for a second let you know what kind of a church you're a part of. There are over 2,000 Alliance churches in the United States. Um, and you were number 25 on Great Commission Giving, which funds our missionaries literally around the world. Over 2,000 churches, you were ranked 25th in giving to missional giving. Powerful. Powerful. Maybe continue to be global-minded when it comes to giving, when it comes to the way that we think, when it comes to the way that we do ministry, but may we be faithful at home, and may we also be faithful in things going on around the world because the gospel is for the entire world. God, give us a passion for the complete map. Give us a passion for Centerville. Give us a passion for Montgomery County, which uh, uh, Sheriff uh, came up and shared this last Thursday night of all the pain and hurt and brokenness that's going on in our community. May we have a passion to change that. Make a dent in that. Uh, may we have a passion for Ohio and this country and literally for the whole world. I wrote down my prayer is that God would raise up leaders and innovators in this church because I think there's ministries yet to be birthed by this room and by the last room and by people that aren't even here yet that can change and transform Centerville. He's just waiting for one of you to step up and do it, that thing that he's been nudging at your heart. My prayer is the same for this community. If you have something in Dayton or around Montgomery County that he's, he's urging you to do, to birth or to start or to be a part of, that you do it. That we would be a church that not only uh, cheers on global missions, but we raise up people that feel called to do it. And then they're obedient. And then we fund them and we send them because we care about the entire, entire world. God, would you give us uh, a heart for the entire world? God, would you allow us to play our part, even if it's small, in your grand narrative that's going on all around the world the amount of influence this room alone has in this community and at workplaces all over this community and at schools all over this community, it would be tens of thousands of people if you were to line them up from everybody that attends this church. It's because of everything we just shared. I'm as excited to death to share with you a vision statement uh, that, has been, that has been being birthed for the last 12, 16 months. It's been prayed over, I don't even know how many times. Uh, it's been met about, it's been raked to the coals, it's been tweaked, changed, challenged, it's been going to staff meetings and board meetings and you name it. 
And uh, I believe it's the heartbeat of our staff and board of where we want to go as a church and who we want to be. Aubrey Malfers writes this. He's a great uh, leader in the church. It says, the vision is a picture of the future we seek to create. It depicts the church's preferred future. Uh, While outside of biblical prophecy, we cannot predict the future, we can create the future. That is the function of the vision. It pictures the end of the ministry at the beginning. And the best way to create what you really want is by visualizing the outcome that you are trying to achieve. So this is, this is what we want to see achieved in this community. It's Jesus-centric. It's Acts 1-8-centric. It's Great Commission-centric. It's Alliance-centric. And it's all about Christ. And here it is. It'll be up on the screen. That we're pursuing the transformation of communities by ensuring that every man, woman, and child has frequent opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. That we are pursuing the transformation of communities by ensuring that every man, woman, and child has frequent opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. With everything in us, we want to seek, we want to chase after, we're going to do our part, We're going to make sure that it happens to see transformation in this community. We serve a God that, I don't know if you knew, He specializes in transforming lives. He specializes in it. He loves nothing more than for someone that was blind to now see, or someone that was lost to now uh, be found, right? That's what our Savior loves. He cheers that on. Uh, To transform a community is not just Centerville. It's not just Dayton or Montgomery County or this state or around the country, but a community is anywhere a group of people gather together. So you know where a community is? Your house. A community is your housing development. A community is the school that your kid goes to. A community is Kroger, whoever's gathered in that room at any one given time buying Cheerios, right? A community is is a school or a law office or a base office or you name it. We want to transform every single community we come in contact with. That as you walk around this community and you see every man, woman, and child walking around, they are a candidate for the transforming power of Jesus Christ. It's what we want to be about. It's who we're going to be. It's who I believe we already are. And we're just going to continue to carry this out. We want every woman, man, or every man, woman, and child to have frequent opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's that look like? Well, how how are they going to see Jesus? How will people see Jesus in you and me? In our lifestyles? And by doing life with them? And by interacting uh, with them? By the way we treat them? Uh, Nobody likes to be somebody's project. We're not going out, you're my my project, I'm going to fix you. But you know what people do crave? They crave love. They crave respect. And people will see Jesus in you when you show them love. And you show them respect. Uh, People will will, will see Jesus when they walk in this church and they get greeted with a sign that says, welcome, we're so glad you're here. And then they get greeted by a human that says, thank you for coming, we're so glad you're here. They will see Jesus in our worship services, in our children's room, in our youth room, in our small groups, you name it. They will see Jesus everywhere. And my question that we can ask ourselves with this, how will they see Jesus, is, is, is a question we can come back to for us to buy into the vision. Are people seeing Jesus in me, at my work, everywhere I go? Are people seeing Jesus in me? How will they hear about Jesus? You'll tell them. 
because Jesus changed your life. You want nothing more than to tell them. We as a church will send people, not just, to, not just across the seas, but across town to, to, to serve people so that they can see Jesus. They'll see him in our global and, and, and local outreach projects. They'll see Jesus at work because you're there. They'll see Jesus at school because you're there. Your kids are there. That there'll be so many opportunities for people to see and hear about Jesus. How will they respond to Jesus? Well, we as a church are going to do everything possible that we can to create environments that are conducive to non-Christians showing up here. And not only that, they like it. And they want to come back. We want to do our best to create those environments. To remove all the weird red tape and walls that, that kind of go up from people outside not wanting to come in. And that's, we're going to create opportunities for people to, to come to salvation. For people to be, to be baptized. And we're going to be a church that prays for the salvation of people. Matthew 13, 8, we'll do this parable this summer. Uh, we're going we're to pray for fertile soil, right? So when the seed falls, that lives can be changed, that their hearts are prepared, that their heart is ready. We're going to pray for coworkers and friends and brothers and sisters and moms and dads and you name it. We're going to create unlimited frequent opportunities for people to respond to Jesus. We want to build a church where people are in tune with the Spirit of God and they don't just hear it, then they do something about it. Romans 10 is about as clear as day that salvation is for everyone. Romans 10, 14 through 15. But how can they call on Him and save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is what the Scriptures say. How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. We're pursuing the transformation of communities by ensuring that every man, woman, and child has frequent opportunities to see in you, hear from you, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So many of you in this room have already responded, and we're about to embark on Holy Communion where you can thank your Savior for what He did for you on the cross. Uh, you can reflect on what He did for you on the cross. Maybe you can come to Him before you come up with a repentant heart to say, my heart's actually just been about me. God, give me a heart for the world. Give me a heart for my workplace. Give me a heart for my community.